0: Hello and welcome back to the Dakota's Doing Podcast. I'm your host Mason and today I'm joined by Ben and my buddy James. How are you guys doing today?
1: Doing good. Doing quite well.
0: So, we gotta talk about it, boys. It's on every news outlet. It's the main talk of the town. Robin Hood, GameStop. Let's go. Jimmy, you wanna give us a little breakdown, what's happening?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who are, who are unaware, um, currently what's going on in the market, it's been kind of a crazy week, as I'm sure many of you are aware. Uh, if you haven't been keeping track, what's really been going on is a uh, culmination of a almost once in a lifetime short squeeze. Uh, what's What a short squeeze essentially is, is where a share or a stock is held and shorted Uh, shorting a share just meaning you're borrowing the share from a broker selling it instantly hoping to buy it back at a lower price at a later date and you keep the profit in between however about a week or two ago there is a individual on the subreddit of uh, Wall Street Bets who had actually discovered that there was a few different major hedge funds that were shorting uh, GameStop stock specifically uh, 130% of their float. So what that means is that for every one share that was out, there was 1.3 shares that were shorted. So that means every single share essentially has to be rebought or at least bought and then sold and rebought at least 1.3 times. So with that in mind, a lot of these people on Wall Street bets actually came up with the idea of going all in on GameStop just to stick it to the hedge funds and honestly it's been quite an interesting ride because you'll see a lot of different people especially younger people who are getting in on the action and a lot of this actually resonates with some of the younger individuals specifically kind of in our age range anywhere from 16 to you know 24 kids who saw their parents lose houses and jobs you know destroyed by the economic crisis of 2008 when the when the housing market had collapsed And so a lot of people see this as, you know, sending a message to Wall Street by aggressively buying the stock and pushing it to the moon because all the hedge funds have to cover their shorts. So honestly, it's going to be quite a wild next coming up, you know, week or so as to, you know, what actually goes on in the market.
0: And I can see this lasting longer than a week for sure. So it's going to be an interesting next couple of months or so.
2: Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, with a short squeeze, you know, short squeeze position or short, uh, short positions, they don't. They don't expire. They can be extended out technically as long as you want. However, the longer it's extended, the more it costs them interest, and the more and more it'll cost, the more and more the stock goes up. And considering you know that you know the entirety of the the, the GameStop stock has been squeezed so hard, you'll see why it, that has uh, caused the stock to go up about a thousand percent over the course of a week. And, and honestly, there's a, oh, plenty plenty of room for it to keep going as well. There's as long as, people, or as long as people were to hold their positions, the stock could theoretically go up infinitely. Yeah. And I don't see any shortage of people
0: trying to hop on this boat. We've seen Wall Street Bets, the subreddit, grow from, oh, is it 2.3, 2.4 million up to nearly 7 million now? Yeah. Just crazy yep. growth. Um, and most of these people are new to stocks. You know, this is their first experience with this. So I think a lot of them are just saying yeah. YOLO and spending a lot of money on it
2: as well. I don't know. Yeah, it's absolutely. Be interesting. Especially, especially right now, you get, uh, you know, with all the stimulus checks coming out, it's kind of a culmination of a perfect storm if you think of it really. You get, you know, the government keeps sending out money to its citizens, you know, especially after what happened in 2008. They're starting to see these bailouts that are happening from some of these bigger companies uh, when things start to go south uh, financially. And a lot of people saw this as, you know, didn't even really necessarily care about the money. People saw this as a message to the hedge funds. And we've seen these hedge funds lose billions. I think it was already past 70
0: billion loss. Um, yep. What do you think is going to happen if these hedge funds go under? What's the
2: outcome? The outcome if the hedge funds go under? That's a really good question. Honestly, no one really knows what's going to happen. But. All I can tell you for sure is that as long as people hold their positions, the hedge funds will continue to lose money. Um, this is by no means advan- uh, investment advice at all. This is just simply you know facts as to what's going on in the financial markets right now.
0: And I guess I should bring this up since we've already been talking stocks for a little bit. Jimmy, what's your interest in stocks? You know, what's your involvement with UND? You want to give us a little background?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I am a finance student at the University of North Dakota. I previously did some general studies at a community college in southern Minnesota, transferred up here last year and planning on finishing my degree here as well. Uh, furthermore, on top of that, I've been investing for, I'd say, five or six years passively by myself. And upon coming up here, I actually joined a uh, the first student-run uh, venture capital and private equity investment group. Uh, so that's actually been you know, quite an interesting experience for me.
0: And you know, GameStop isn't the only stock we're seeing do this. What are your thoughts on AMC and BlackBerry? I know they're not as as short as you say. You know, with the hundred thirty percentage, but I think AMC is around sixty eight percent. What do we can we expect to see the same stuff?
2: Um, it all really depends, honestly. Um- as I said before, this is by no means investment advice. This is just simply what's going on in the market. But there has been an uptick in the interest in you know doing the exact same thing with some of these other stocks. Specifically, um, Nokia stock has been on the radar as one possible option for Wall Street bets. I know that in addition to that, AMC and um, what was the other one? No- I said Nokia, AMC, and BlackBerry. Yep. And... All of these stocks, they all are in the same position as Gamestop. They'll have extremely high short interest. and eventually all these brokers are going to have to buy back the shares. So people on Wall Street bets, you know myself included, have been buying these stocks you know, for the last you know, week or so and hoping to you know culminate another short squeeze. So on top of this massive GameStop stock increase,
0: we also saw something new. Um, Dogecoin and other cryptos I know you're a big fan of Bitcoin We've talked about it before in the past Yep. What are your thoughts on this big
2: Dogecoin Growth? It's crazy Dogecoin? Oh, okay Dogecoin is a very very interesting Interesting asset In my opinion I don't necessarily see it as a bad asset But there is A lot of sentiment that kind of Really people aren't even understanding About the fact that why Dogecoin Has really boomed A lot of it really breaks down to, like I said before, it's just a message to the to the institutions, to the, you know, to the big guys, the one percent, essentially. A lot of people have even been comparing this whole thing to a like the French revolution of finance, believe it or not, just because of how big of a jab this is at some of these major institutions, specifically the Dogecoin. Dogecoin is on a very interesting spot just because of the fact that it was created, it was tokenized in the same way, relatively same way, at least as Bitcoin. It's meant to be a decentralized uh, token of exchange that you can use in place of money. Of course, it's not really applicable right now just due to its you know low cost. However, you could see that as being applicable dependent upon the situation. But the growth in Dogecoin is, like I said, another sentiment to the institution, just telling, telling them that. You know, we collectively, as I'm talking, we collectively, I say the typical retail investors who are in on this action per se, they use this as a message to say, okay, if you can stop trading, for example, on GameStop stocks like Robinhood and a few other different um, trading platforms did on Thursday afternoon, which caused a major outroar uh, in the financial community, everyone from AOC to Ted Cruz to every uh, everywhere on the political spectrum had a gr- you can see there's agreement that this was a big no no, and they basically just used this Dogecoin as an excuse to say yeah you can you can manipulate markets okay so can we they essentially just took this meme coin it was enti- it was based on a meme to begin with the little Shiba dog and they just pumped it up four or five hundred percent in a day basically just to show a message is what I'm taking it as it's perceived as a message to the institutions that you know you can do this we can do this it's not just one side of the coin
0: so you brought up Robin and their halting of trading and I, I know that shocked a lot of people but I don't necessarily think it went against their TOS what are your thoughts on it should they be charged
2: criminally or the people who control them I have no idea that's a good question um I was pretty diligently watching the markets this week, especially on Thursday, when all of this really started to go down. And the CEO of Robinhood had actually came out and completely contradicted what um, some of these other CEOs were saying. For example, the trading app- application Weeble, their CEO had come out and said that the hedge fund that uh, processes a lot of their trades, because if you're not aware, uh, Robinhood and like Webull and some of these free trading apps, the way they actually make their money is by selling the data um, and you different positions and where your sell limit is and your buy limit, for example, all the little financial data, they sell that to the hedge funds to make money. And that's how they are able to offer this to you as a free platform. Roll that back again. What did, what were you asking about? Sorry. Uh, in terms of like criminally charging them, what are your thoughts? on? Oh, that? yes. Yeah, that's right. So in terms of criminally charging them, I, I that's kind of walking a fine line. Um, I can understand the sentiment of wanting to charge them because at the end of the day, you know, this really is market manipulation. It's no matter how you look at it, it's market manipulation because essentially, what the general consensus is now is what happened is these hedge funds told the trading platforms that they need to halt the uh, halt the buy or halt the ability to buy on the platform just to cover themselves. And it is within the Robinhood terms of service that this is something that can be done, but it kind of goes beyond necessarily terms of service in my opinion. This is. This is, in my opinion, a blatant abuse of power, just the ability to do this. So, I don't necessarily think like, you know, charges are the only thing that need to happen. I do agree someone needs to have some sort of punishment for this because I'm sure the rationale behind some of these trading uh, platforms to help buying on some of these positions was not necessarily the trading platforms that did it despite you know what a lot of people thought it was the hedge funds that told them they need to stop it so if anything you could you could try and make a case for the robin hood ceo for essentially lying about what was going on whether or not that'll stand is yeah, your guess is as good as mine but i think the hedge funds either need to one have some sort of litigation done where they are punished to at least some degree for having their fingers you know playing around with the market or additionally just leave it and hope the market the free market works itself out because if if in reality the free market does work itself out you could see hedge fund after hedge fund after hedge fund being bankrupt because the main one that this had initially happened to being um melvin capital they were the one with the largest short position on gamestop for example and once this really started to take off earlier in the week, I'd say probably Tuesday, Wednesday, once it started to gain some traction, there was a lot of misinformation that was put out on a bunch of different instances. However, it kind of sets up the area where it's you don't really know how to proceed because this is something that really hasn't happened before. This is it's a whole new ball game at this point because this is such a wild shift in anything that we've ever seen happen in a financial market.
0: Yeah, it's. You know, wild. It's something you really can't even think of. You know, it, it's wild. It's unspeakable, yeah, really.
2: It, it really um, is, and it's it's quite sad that you know it did come to that.
0: Yeah. So my
2: thoughts on criminally
0: charging them, I don't know. You know, I I agree with you. There's it hasn't been done before, so who knows? We just have to play it by day. But That's in terms it. of like the ethical dilemma this has caused, you know, we're business students. We talk about ethics a lot. Um, I'd say they've already had fallout from that. You know, Their Google review is down to what 1.1 or something like that. I'm sure it'll continue to drop. People will continue to switch platforms. Um, it did go down to that,
1: but there was an article that uh, came out saying that Google actually removed a whole bunch of those reviews after they had been posted due to uh, misinformation of it. Currently, it's got a rating of... on the Google Play Store uh, with 181,000 votes. And on iOS, it has a rating of 4.2 stars. Has got 2.8 million reviews.
2: And this kind of leads into what I was about to say as well, that it's kind of not only on top of the financial markets being you know in, in absolute shambles right now everyone's trying to figure out what's going on you kind of get a little bit conflict of interest in play here as well because a lot of these you know um these retail investors from Wall Street Beth, myself included left horrible reviews on Robinhood because they suspended trading or they suspended selling or buying of a, of the securities on a whim like that just because the hedge funds had pushed them to and you get big tech companies, for example, like Apple and Google and Facebook, who have been continuously shutting down uh, a lot of these a neg- the, lot of the negative input that has been you know, put out against some of these trading platforms. So much so, like you had said, that you know a hundred thousand reviews were moved off the Google Play Store, and you know, that's just that's just plain conflict of interest, right there. They're trying to you know show something as it as it's not and there there's a it's such a culmination of so many different aspects that have kind of piled together right now at the same time that it has really created the perfect storm, and it's going to only exacerbate the farther and farther we get into it
0: yeah
2: you brought up an interesting point um with Google deleting those
0: reviews it just it's weird how much power these companies really have you know and altering our life and our thoughts, just deleting reviews is You know, it's a loophole, I'm sure, as well. I'm sure they said, you know, a review needs some words or something like that. So they're like, oh, it's perfectly fine because they didn't have any words. And every single company is just looking for loopholes like that. These hedge funds are looking for loopholes like that all the time right now. And it's just wild how much
1: power these companies have. Well, and and you also got to think at how willing we were... To give that data, it was like, how you? It's like every time you get something, how many times you actually read their terms of service? I can probably say ninety percent of the people out there just scroll down to the bottom and hit okay. I, and I doubt any of them have ever read the terms of service for anything. And that was the thing: is we've just all willy nilly just given up our, our right for data and. There was actually a thing that, came, that uh, Tim Cook said yesterday. Uh, give, let me, I'm going to find it here shortly. Because um, it's tra- it was a trending right now. It was the fact that Apple's new app tra- tracking transparency framework takes a direct aim at Facebook's business model. Soon, every iOS app that makes money by sharing users' behavior with other apps, websites, or data brokers have to express their permission first. So I think that the fact that we've just been willy-nilly giving up all of our private data is finally, we're finally realizing, hey, we should not have done this at the beginning. And maybe it's time we change something.
0: I think that brings us back to uh, wh- whatever the saying is, you know, if the, if the service is free, then you are the product, whatever that saying yep. is. Um, yeah. And that goes to show for all these, like Robin Hood, you know, you are the product.
2: Absolutely. And additionally, this kind of brings in a interesting aspect with all of these things coming together to make this perfect storm that I've been saying. It shows, it's really kind of gaslit the entirety of the establishment, per se. It has showed how how much power they actually have. And in turn, this has actually created quite an interest in cryptocurrency of course like we had mentioned earlier uh dogecoin you know skyrocketed over the last few days going up five six hundred percent in some instances it this whole narrative has sort of pushed pushed the ticker a little over and closer to the side of decentralized finance and cryptocurrency
1: considering where we're interested now in cryptocurrency do you think it's higher or lower than it was back in what was it? i think twenty late 2017 early 2018 back when crypto was really high before its fall do you think we're yeah, back absolutely to those, those levels of interest
2: oh i, I we argue we're arguing are we have well surpassed those levels of interest um for those of you who aren't aware um cryptocurrencies i'll just focus on bitcoin for this one because most cryptocurrencies generally follow bitcoin for the most part with the exception of a few but Uh, Back in 2017, Bitcoin saw a huge, huge bull run, you know, several thousand percent over the course of about a year or so. And a very similar thing has happened recently and more so breaking all time highs, it seems like, you know, at least once a month here at this rate. And this push towards decentralized finance and cryptocurrency has largely been... Right on the back of what's going on in the financial industry and what's going on at a governmental level. Specifically, take, for example, uh, all the money printing that's happened with COVID. Um, I believe, I believe uh, don't quote me on this, but it's somewhere in the range of 35 to 45 percent of all U.S. dollars in circulation were printed in the year of 2020. What's that mean? Eventually, of course, right now, we're not going to see a whole lot of inflation just because employment is still really low because of the pandemic. But once things start to pick up, having all of this extra you know, liquid capital injected into the market, you're going to slowly see the rise of prices. And this has actually woken people up to the fact that you know currency can be manipulated. It absolutely is manipulated. Hell, we have a institution specifically in the federal government, the Federal Reserve, although it is the nonpartisan institution. They still have, you know, an interest to you know maintain the viability of the dollar, and in doing that, there has been a lot of manipulation in the currency recently. Like I said, there's been a lot more money printing. There's been a inf- not necessarily infinite, but about 120 billion dollars in asset buying by the Federal Reserve recently. All of these things have pushed so much attention to the fact that money is not what we think it is, or what most people think it is, and. With that in mind, it opens the door to the boom of some of these cryptocurrencies. And a lot of these things are trying to actually figure out how to bridge the link between traditional finance and cryptocurrency finance.
0: So I just thought of an interesting question. You know, with, Considering all of our money, realistically all of our money, you know, the global economy money is all fiat now. Some can argue it's backed by oil, our dollar at least. So with the decline of every currency nearly you know worldwide can you see us going back to like a, a gold standard you know a gold backed
2: money as much as i would love to see a gold standard or some sort of implementation to actually have show that the dollar has a store of value as opposed to the fact that it can be just infinitely printed and for those of you wondering you know the federal reserve chair did in fact say we're not going to run out of money that should be concerning in and of itself The fact that you can just infinitely print money and the more the money gets printed you know the the less it's worth so yes absolutely i think if in order for the dollar to remain viable in the foreseeable future there needs to be some sort of standard to it whether or not that happens i don't know but if it doesn't happen i could easily see a massive massive shift towards cryptocurrency and we've already started to see that shift So like I said Bitcoin topped out right underneath you know 19 or so 20ish thousand in 2017 and since then many 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 institutions have seen the value of Bitcoin specifically one um, one institution uh, microstrategy was the CEO Michael Saylor. He saw this value in Bitcoin long ago. He's been following it for quite some time and is so confident in it to the point where he put over a billion dollars of their company's balance sheet specifically in Bitcoin as a hedge against the dollar. He specifically did it as a hedge against the dollar because he saw how much was how much money was being printed. And it really you know brings the question. If you're seeing some of these Fortune 500 companies doing this, you know, publicly, how many of them aren't necessarily you know displaying their plans to do this per se i mean whether or not they're in the market or not they have to release that on their financials you know every quarter i get that but i think over the next five or so years you're going to see not only a massive retail investor or uh, individual shift but an institutional shift so much so that like i said michael saylor he's even hosting a uh cryptocurrency summit to show to some of the other major ceos in the area or in the uh in the markets and the S and P 500, et cetera, et cetera. Just the value of a currency or a store of value
1: that can't be manipulated by a central body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I can, th- and Oh, um, go ahead, ben. I did a little bit of research. Um, it looks like in the la- in the year 2020 about it looked, it's estimated between 22 to 23 and percent of the money was printed in that year. And then, um, going back to the Bitcoin thing. Um, so you, yeah, you, are right. It did peak in 2017 at about $19,000, but back in January of of this year on January 8th, it peaked at, uh, around 40,000. So, so since its last peak, it's almost doubled. Well, it has doubled. Yep. And now it's hovering around the
0: $34,000. And I can't see that going down too much anymore. You know, I would, Personally, this is an investment advice. I know nothing. I'm stupid. Don't listen to me. But I was planning on buying Bitcoin with the next dip. And I still have that plan. But the hard thing about Bitcoin now is what is the dip? You know, I I was contemplating buying at 30K. Cause who knows? It might not go lower than that anymore. But I don't know.
2: It's an interesting market. It's an interesting world. And that's just it. You know, it's it's trying to... Of course, the saying in the in investing it's, you know, one pretty much everyone knows, trying to time the market is more often than not worse than time in the market. So myself personally, I've been dollar cost averaging on Bitcoin since it was about $10 or $11,000, consistently putting money into it. And that personally has done extremely well for me. Like I said, this isn't investment advice, but this is just my personal input. And like I said, we're kind of at that point where you're going to start to see a little bit more Trending towards that direction because if you're seeing some of these massive institutions put it on their balance sheet there's got to be some reasoning behind it furthermore you even see some of the likes of these huge huge iconic people such as Elon Musk recently he recently put that in his. Put uh, just Bitcoin in his Twitter bio. The second he did that, there was a five thousand dollar green candle. that brought it almost back up to its all time high of forty thousand. That was yesterday afternoon. And as soon as that happened, uh, Mr. Beast, for example, another popular uh, popular content creator, um, you know, he did the same thing. And it's it's the slow transition from a regulated, you know, centralized financial system to more of a individualized financial system brought on by the wave of cryptocurrencies
0: you brought up an interesting point you know with that business putting a billion dollars into bitcoin how many of these execs and other business leaders do you think have it on their personal sheet you know I don't
2: that's the question. That's just it. There's there's no way to really know. I mean, in, Bitcoin is inherently supposed to. It's the reason people like it is because it's not only decentralized but it's completely anonymous. And a lot of people will, you know, try and use that, to, uh, you know, spite it and say, oh yeah, it's an anonymous payment solution. It's used. It's only used for, you know, you know, buying drugs and terrorist financing, yada yada. But a counterpoint to that is a lot of people don't realize how much. Illegal stuff happens on the dollar on a daily basis. There's like trillions of dollars worth of illicit transactions that happen on the dollar every year. (laughs) But they'll try and use that as a stick as to why Bitcoin is a bad thing. And you know, a lot of these bigger institutions, for so example, are not necessarily institutions, but regulating bodies like the Treasury like, and some of like the people who would be in a position to actually do something about cryptocurrency. They don't want cryptocurrency to succeed necessarily, whether or not they say it. They don't want it. They don't want it to succeed because, you know, he who controls the money controls, controls the people.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that shows, Oof. you know, way more than it used to now. I think absolutely. everybody is really realizing that money does control the world. So, you know, the dominant form of money is also going to control the world, such as the, mm-hmm. the U S dollar right now, but cryptocurrency in the future, who
2: knows? Yeah, oh. absolutely. It, it, it could make, it could take a massive shift. And of course, you know, I could be wrong. Like we've said many times before, this isn't financial advice. This is just my personal input as someone who has, i don't claim to know everything, but I feel like I have a reasonable enough experience in the field to be able to talk on it. And me personally, I don't see I don't see anything else happening. I don't I don't see the US. going back to a standard like the gold standard, or people have even proposed the silver standard, which is a little weird. We used to do it back in the day, but it doesn't really make sense anymore, necessarily. But without some sort of actual store of value, the dollar is eventually destined to fail That's just as plain and simple.
0: So you brought up silver, and I know this isn't on our agenda, but I do want to talk about it a little bit. There's been plans to, you know, like the same type of GameStop stuff, but for
2: silver. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Um, with silver, that's an actually interesting one. Um, a lot of people have seen that uh, silver as a possible next short position for Wall Street bets. Um, like I mentioned before, Wall Street bets being the Reddit forum that's seen a tremendous growth with the explosion of uh, the GameStop stock recently. But a lot of it comes down to um, the reasoning behind this is that a lot of silver is sold on paper, is bought and sold on paper, because of course silver is a commodity, it's a you know, physical asset. Transferring massive amounts of silver would be cost inefficient to say the least. So a lot of this trading happens on paper. So it appears that there's actually a lot more silver for trade than there actually is. So the thought is with a lot of these people is that, you know, if we can just buy and hold the silver positions, then the same thing will happen. Because since so much of it is traded on paper, it's ability, the ability to trade it like a stock, for example, and short it or, you know, trade options on silver, it's all too apparent now. So there's plenty of room that that can actually be a thing where it, seeing some sort of massive skyrocketing and some silver prices, whether it be physical or paper prices, is a possibility. It's just wild, man. This, I don't know,
0: I feel like that Reddit page is a godsend for the average person. You know, it's, it allows people to communicate and really express, you know, their, their anxiety with the markets and their stress with the markets and who controls it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think it's, like you said, the French Revolution of Finance. This is, you know, the largest internet riot, so to say, that we've ever seen. And, you know, I'd say even the biggest Wall Street riot we've ever seen. I know there was shut down Wall Street, the Occupy Wall Street movement a couple of years ago, but that didn't really... I'm sorry if this hurts people's feelings, but that didn't really do anything. I didn't notice a change from it. Did you guys? No. It absolutely didn't, no. But this movement definitely has enough momentum to cause change and seeing that change over the next couple months couple years however long it takes people will hold I know they will we got some diamond hands
2: Um, Mm -hmm. myself included like me i just for the record i'll just tell you guys my positions just so i'm being transparent about it and like i said this is not investment advice but my current positions in this whole quote unquote meme stock revolution are gamestop blackberry nokia and amc all of which have seen you know the similar similar interests as um, as like i said gamestop being the main one so there's a whole lot of things going on right now and it's anyone's best guess as to where it really ends up because hell what we saw on Thursday was absolutely unprecedented this is something no one had ever thought they would see so the fact that all of this is happening at the same time and exposing the power that some of these larger financial institutions have to the ability to manipulate stock prices has really pushed the issue into the limelight and we're not going to see an end to it anytime soon
0: yeah, and I think there's been a couple of really big factors affecting this. One, obviously, the stimmy, you know, people have been spending their stimulus, which is in my opinion, awesome. People are investing their stimulus, awesome, you know, they're doing mm-hmm. something with it. Uh second, boredom. This has been feeling like a Super Bowl week. Everybody's loving it and it's, it's uniting people, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And the last factor is, <laughs> is just the deep hatred you know the deep hatred for the market and i think it's going to continue to grow
1: do you think that with all this happening it's any coincidences that all these companies uh q4 results and year-end results came out in the last 14 days is
2: it any coincidence that
1: it it happened? You, you think that it's any coincidence that all these companies uh q4 results had to come out within the last few days that all this has transpired after q4 results were announced.
2: Not necessarily. Um, For those of you who aren't aware, earning results on stocks, specifically public traded stocks, uh, they are on a schedule and they have to be done typically every three months not every quarter. That's a standardized thing. It's, you know, once you go public, you have, you know, your earnings dates released. You know, you have that planned out, you know, 30 years as to how long, when they're going to be released because it's just the same date every single year. So I don't think it necessarily has any, um any impact on what's happening. However, it has um it has shown that there are other positions available outside of GameStop. You know, it has shown that there's, you know, more to be had in this fight with the with the one percent per se, or the fight with the man than what's actually being shown. There's plenty of more room for this to continue. And continue it will. Um yeah, next week's gonna be interesting.
0: I'm excited to see it. But unfortunately, uh we have to switch up the topics a little bit. I'm sure we could talk about stocks all day. It's you know the main topic. Uh <laughs> I feel like we should do a couple COVID updates. There's some new vaccine updates. Uh Johnson Johnson has a 66% effective vaccine. Awesome. The more people producing that, the better. What are your thoughts on that actually, guys? Are you guys getting the vaccine? My mom asked me that the other day, and I thought, I don't know.
1: Why not? I'm plan. I plan on getting it. I just want to wait, um, mainly until this whole supply shortage thing is going up. Is it stops because uh, there's been watching that whole supply thing of of how each state is doing it differently. At least here in Washington, we've it's it's been at a very slow pace. Like we we've had a couple big mass vaccination days because of freezer failures and they happen to get all the vaccines out, but it, we aren't moving at like the speed, like uh, West Virginia is where they're, I I believe it's West Virginia where they've got like, it's some crazy percentage already vaccinated in such a short amount of time. Um, uh, the big thing myself, personal. You go. Up there. Uh, the big thing I'm I'm going to be very curious about is um, what's going to be the university's position on it now that more of the vaccines are now starting to be out in the wild of plans for like fall of uh, fall of this year or maybe even summer of this year of what's going to happen because I know Armacost wrote his letter that staff are going to get it but what about students? Myself, personally,
2: um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think I'm going to wait on it. This isn't necessarily a distrust in vaccines, and I'm by no means an anti-vaxxer. But I don't like the speed in which this vaccine was produced. I don't like, really, the lack of transparency on a lot of what's been going on with COVID since the beginning because there really hasn't been any... Of course, there's been you know developments as to, oh, yeah, there's this many deaths, this many cases, yada, yada. But the initial you know how how everything got to where we are there's a lot of uncertainty and un, you know not necessarily clarity with how how things are going with that in mind i'm personally going to wait i think i'll eventually get it but it's just a matter of waiting to see whether or not there's any actual you know, detrimental side effects to something like this however on the terms of whether or not the university could do anything i don't think it's their position to regulate that, I think I don't think it's the position of any institution, whether it be, you know, a school, you know, local, state or federal government to inst- to mandate something like that. But they already do. I know. I know they do. And that's that's the that's the issue. And I my this is just my personal opinion is I don't I don't think it's their position to be doing that, because if you don't want to do something, you shouldn't necessarily have to. I understand the whole health you know, public health concept of that. But the thing is, it's it's a really, really gray area that no one has the correct answer to. And everyone thinks they have the correct answer to. And that's where you kind of get a lot of these issues with it.
0: I see what you're saying, Jimmy. And, you know, it's a valid point. People don't want governments, you know, structuring their lives. They don't want governments forcing anything on anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, my whole problem with this vaccine distribution is who's getting it. I have no idea who's getting it. I just talked to my grandpa, 79-year-old dude, not in the best of health, and he can't get this vaccine. If he gets COVID, you know, chances are slim. I, I just want to know who's getting it. Why are we giving it to healthy young people over old people who need it? I I don't know. Yeah, like you said, Jimmy, I wish we had some more transparency with it. I really do. Uh, and speaking that's, about that's UND, good,
1: though,
0: and... Yeah. I don't know about UND. I don't know what they do. I, I'm not really in a position to say if they should enforce it or not. They are a government entity. So I, I get why they would enforce it. But something interesting just happened to UND. They received a $5 million donation. I shouldn't say UND in general, just the School of Entrepreneurship and Management. Um, yeah. Tom and Connie Middleton donated $5 million to the school wild that's awesome but yeah i don't i don't know what will change with that school but i'm guessing five million dollars is enough to change something or at least i'd hope so
2: i'm actually a good friends with one of the instructors who's in the school of entrepreneurship uh, greg syrup he's actually a dvg alum and i've actually worked closely with him on a few different projects uh with dakota venture group and i, th- I think it'll be good to p- it'll be put to good use i know uh I know the entrepreneurship department isn't the biggest. I know that's, you know, it's kind of like a little subsection, I believe of the business school, but I think, I think it'll be a very beneficial thing for them. I think so as well. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting to
0: see, uh, I'm going to put my personal opinion out there. Schools aren't very good at spending money. No government institution is very good at spending money, or I should say they're good at spending money, but not in the right places. so we'll see. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more updates coming up, you know, a week or so about what the actual plan is with that 5000000 million. I'm sure we'll be seeing something. Uh, other UND news we had some sports hockey killing it. Good job, guys. 5 uh, 0 victory against Colorado, 6 2 against Omaha. Nice job, guys. Men's basketball also with the win against uh, Western Illinois women's basketball they've been on a slump for a while but they picked up the dub against Western Illinois uh, men's tennis had another victory women's tennis had two losses overall you know it's not a bad not a bad sports week great job guys
1: yeah Glad a, a you. very good week much much better than uh, last week's week
0: so to end off this podcast we're going to get political sorry we've got to do it Biden's president. We've seen some new things. The main thing I want to talk about is the executive orders. Biden has actually broken the record for the most amount of executive orders within the first week or so,
1: right? First week. He's done 42 executive orders within the first week of his presidency. And I believe, if memory serves me right, Trump, who, who did a lot of executive orders, only did like nine.
2: I believe he only had one in his first week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh,
1: you know what? Let's look that up, Donald Yeah, Trump. fact check.
2: I'm kind of in the same page as you, though, Mason. I don't really know how I feel about all the executive orders, because I, un- I understand the... You know, I'll just put my political position out there before I get into it. I've I voted conservative in the last two collect two elections. However, after everything that's been going on, I've much much more recently found myself in a very libertarian standpoint. A very you know, not necessarily like anti government, but more of a stay out of my pocket, you know, stay off my back kind of thing. Smaller government. And just smaller. smaller government. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. That's where I'm at. And you know, it just it's quite a shame that You know, a president who basically ran on, you know, bringing America together, you know, collectively democratizing the White House, you know, not, you know, getting rid of the quote unquote fascist or dictatorial or dictatorial style of Trump which I don't even necessarily think there was I think he did fantastic things for the economy but then if you were to say that and then come in and sign 42 executive orders in a week that just it's it's not the it's not the right message to be sending if you if you ran on a platform of removing dictatorship and
0: uh, honestly with all the stock stuff i'm going to pull out, put out my opinion i don't know if you guys agree But uh, Biden is not necessarily disassociated with the Wall Street. I'd say Biden is pretty deep in Wall Street pockets. I can Mm -hmm. see a lot of Biden supporters coming out in these next couple of weeks going against Biden and calling for impeachment or something of the sort. Because this stock has caused so much unity between parties. People who thought Mm -hmm. I hate you with every living part of me, you know, are like, oh, you're actually a decent guy and just thought the economy was good. Like I think people are realizing how narrow-minded they were over these past four years and are finally seeing eye-to-eye over a couple things. One being, Wall Street's bad. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I... It's going to be an interesting...
2: I wouldn't necessarily say Wall Street is bad. Uh, The 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 people who manipulate Wall Street is bad. Yeah, the suits, quote-unquote. Because, you know... Whether you, whether you know it or not, you know Wall Street is largely responsible for a lot of the economic growth you see because you oh, guys yeah. think about it from the perspective of trickle down economics. You know, if, if you have a share, for example, of X Y Z stock that does well, then you know, in theory, that gives the company the ability to you know raise extra capital by selling additional shares. They could use that to fund other projects, so on and so forth, and it all kind of trickles down. That's the theory with it. However, if you have the ability to do that, that's kind of where it becomes an issue. And especially so much with the Biden administration and all of this happening right now, there is kind of a lot of conflict of interests, especially with President Biden, because he has been so deeply involved in Wall Street. He's not necessarily like a stockbroker or something like that, but he does have a lot of large, large donors who are trying to, to, trying to protect the establishment, per se. And on top of the conflict of interest, um the big the big um hedge fund that has kind of been at the spotlight with all of this uh Melvin capital um it was either Melvin Capital or Citron research one of the two had Janet Yellen um, Biden's treasury secretary pick you know arguably one of the most powerful people in the monetary system she had an eight hundred thousand dollar speaking fee from Melvin capital or citron research whichever the one that that all of this happening at the same time it's just a lot of conflict of interest that really just it puts the entirety of the issue in the spotlight seeing it from every everywhere from you know the the suits on wall street to the treasury secretary it's it's a bigger problem than what a lot of people are realizing
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i should have picked my words better wall street isn't bad but the people who control it are bad right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's a storm's a brewing, man. I, I don't know. Everything is just going to accumulate into this big old bubble, and when that pops, it's going to be an interesting, interesting outcome.
2: No one knows how it's going to fold out either. So it's just a matter of being diligent, and you know if. It's 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 gonna be a wild ride, so you know, strap in. I'm <laughs> okay. hoping after this, people would
0: will start to realize that you know this this two party system, and especially just you know following a single party simply because you hate the other one isn't the best choice. I think we need a. I think people will realize that the quality of the candidate is the main thing. But uh, who knows? I don't know. People are unpredictable,
1: as we yeah. can tell. alrighty what were you going to say Ben um, okay so Biden has he's not done he's done 42 executive actions not orders so orders are so it's both orders and then like uh, memorandums and other stuff like that he's done 42 Donald Trump in his first week did 12 okay that's executive actions not orders okay right so that's both executive executive orders and then presidential determinations uh, or notices or stuff, anything like that. Any anything where the president is basically signing anything into order. So
0: to sum it all up, Biden has exercised his presidential power more so than any president in history within the first week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. And it's not just, and it's the most, especially if it's within the last few presidents who has done the most even though he went Mm -hmm. on record saying that he was not going to lead as a dictator uh, or uh, lead by executive orders. and Basically, in the first week, he's literally led by executive orders. Basically, Mm -hmm. he he made Trump of of it doing the entire time he was in office. And what is he literally doing? The exact same thing, but like Mm -hmm. four times as many of them.
2: Which really raises the question, too. I mean... Of course, there's still contesting you know, certain instances of the election, understandably. There's always going to be contesting of certain elections. But as it stands, Democrats control the Senate, the House, and the presidency. This is enough to pass virtually any bill that you want. As long as there's entire partisan support for it, there, there shouldn't necessarily even need to be executive orders. But the fact that you run on the platform of you know trying to get rid of this fascist or dictatorial individual and then you go on the record and you know so many executive actions or orders in that period of time while you have the ability to just pass them properly it just it's it seems like nonsense it seems like it's an absolutely pointless move i don't i feel like there I should agree. be a little bit more a little bit more normalcy necessarily to the process because you went through the fight to get there why not Use your resources you have.
1: Well, and then the irony of some of them, like he's just recently input a travel ban and Biden on the record um, at about on March 12th, he said a wall will not stop the coronavirus banning all travel from Europe or any part of the world will not stop it what is he doing now he's banned travel from I believe I know for sure he banned travel from South Africa and then I'm not sure where else but he's literally oh. doing exactly what he said we should not be doing it says Brazil
0: Ireland UK and much of Europe
1: yeah, so I believe oh, it's the Schengen you. area Yeah, which is like 27 countries so he's yeah, literally doing the opposite defeat. of what he said of, of what he, he said he said a year ago
0: yeah. Uh, even with his domestic COVID restrictions, you know, he's been trying to basically do the same thing Trump did, even though he said he already had a plan developed for when he is president. I don't know. All I'm seeing is hypocrisy from the Biden administration. It's it's terrible. I don't know if you guys watch the press conferences about the Wall Street bets and the stocks and everything. They didn't even have an answer. They didn't even have
2: anything to say about it. I don't know I guess that's kind of understandable, considering the press secretary. I mean when asked about what's going on, I mean she leads the response this sticks out to me. it just just rattles me to the core because you know there's the there was the, there was a the question brought up about what's going on in the market to the press secretary and she the, the fact that it just it just pushes me the wrong way because she started off with. Answering this question. Well, first off, we have the first female Treasury Secretary. It's like that's not the question. That's like I understand that I'm all about equality and you know, equality of opportunity, but like that's that's not where we're going. This is just more agenda pushing into another instance of what's going on outside of Washington. It's it just seems nonsensical to me. And so with that, I don't I don't pay attention to anything the press secretary has to say just because of that. Like that really completely killed her credibility for me.
1: So it's like she doesn't even answer the question. She's literally bringing up a fact about something. It's like you—you you could have said we've got the first female vice president, and you would have still got, gotten the same message across. Yes, you've got these—all these—you're getting a whole bunch of firsts for women, but you're not answering the questions at all. You're answering your own agenda. Mm-hmm.
2: And then you know, like I said, you know, this isn't even this is by no means you know it's supposed to be a jab at you know you know female rights, for example. But it's it's just unnecessary to to push this kind of thing when it's that's not the topic of discussion. It's just more parlaying nonsense into whatever's going on. It just on.
0: wasn't even relevant to the conversation. Yeah, you know? just absolutely. No, no reason to it. Other than we have a female take that, you know, it's, yeah.
2: It's a lot of virtue signaling is what it comes down to. It's this, this administration, because, you know, especially, especially it's like the Keystone Pipeline. I, I understand the you know disgruntled with it, you know, but there's, You know, Biden's first day in office, he killed
1: 28,000 jobs, so a snap of a finger. And yet he's trying to add more jobs into that market as well.
0: I'll go out on a limb and and express my opinion on the Keystone Excel pipeline. I hate that he canceled it. I think it was a moronic move. I think he was stupid as all hell. Um, For one, you just increased our reliance on Middle Eastern oil. You increased (laughs) emissions by you know transporting said oil with the giant tankers
2: they're still gonna transport it via tanker yeah. yeah
0: yeah you're still causing all the emissions once they get that tanker there they have to transport it again via train or whatnot so there's more emissions when it all could just become from Canadian oil which is you know people like to say clean no oils clean'm not gonna <laughs> that um, but I'd say it's you know cleaner in the sense that you have less emissions caused by transporting said oil.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so i from an environmentalist standpoint the decision's stupid from an economical standpoint the decision's stupid overall it's just stupid It's i don't get it it's a virtue signal it's
2: all it is it's really all it is because you get a it's i'm gonna go off on a little tangent here you have a much more progressive liberal party than you know say eight years ago four eight years ago and this this largely one bite in the white house whether you like it or not you know they came out for him in droves because of the hatred for Trump. And he made a lot of, lot of promises that are simply virtue signal promises. That's all they are. And he just bagged votes because of it. And it's, it's unfortunate because it's going to have detrimental effects on the economy. Whether or not we realize them during his administration, who knows. But it will as long as you know what he has issued as an as a order or a directive stands. What I'm hoping... What
0: transpires from all this Wall Street bet subreddit is people realize they can actually talk to each other about their opinions and actually listen yep. to each other. I, I hope that's what happens. I hope people start talking about all the stupidity going on in the in this administration. You know, Trump had some stupid stuff too. I'll admit it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't you know a diehard Trump fan, but he was a lot more transparent with his b- If that makes sense. Um, yeah. No, that Biden absolutely had, does make sense. Biden hasn't been. It's sad to see because. He's the leader of the free world. But uh, on that note, but, this is a rather long podcast. We're going to end here. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Jimmy, for... Uh, oh, sorry. I'll wait
2: to One end. little quick thing. Um, yeah, I just want to you know, thank Mason You know, for inviting me on here for the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, for those of you students at uh, UND, I do just want to... Thank you for listening and reach out. uh, One thing, um, the organization, I'm a part of Dakota Venture Group, the first student-run venture capital and private equity investment group in the United States. We are actually recruiting right now. Um, If this is something you feel like you might be interested in, uh, feel free to visit our website at dakotaventuregroup.com and uh, shoot off an application to us.
0: Yeah, go check it out. It's awesome stuff. That's dakotaventuregroup.com. Feel free, guys. And thanks again, Jimmy. Thank you, Ben. Wonderful podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You as well.